0: Welcome to Pines in Politics, the Thursday, june twenty fifth, twenty twenty edition. States and Politics is a weekly discussion program of all things political. My name is Bill Templeman. Joining me for this online panel. First of all, we have theatre artist and writer Kate Storey. Then we have artistic director of Theatre on King and theatre artist Ryan Kerr. We may be joined in a few moments by director of Art Space, John Lockyer, and musician and performer Bo Dixon. So thanks uh, to all of you for joining me today. To start, I feel an obligation to confess that uh, I am only a casual consumer of arts here in Peterborough. So my view of this issue is very much from the outside looking in. I am a sporadic uh, attendee of events such as the First Friday Art Crawl. I drop into the AGP occasionally, Art Gallery of Peterborough. I see plays at Theatre on King. I attend readings at Lewis McCloud's uh, wonderful uh, Writer's Read series at Betrayal College. Um, sometimes I volunteer at Reframe. Uh, I listen to music and readings at the Garnet and attend concerts at Market Hall and so on. In the recent past, I uh, enjoy jazz and poetry readings at the Spill. Uh, may she rest in peace, alas. The arts are a solid reason for me to stay in Peterborough. I recall Long before the pandemic hit, uh, being shocked at how little some of the performers whose work I enjoy at, uh, well, for example, the Theater on King, how much, how little they earn in an average month, far below minimum wage. Same for the jazz musicians at the spill. I recall asking uh, a few of them what their take was on an average night. When they used to play jazz, I think it was Wednesday nights at the Spill. And they said, well, it works out to about beer money. That's it. And all that was during, and I have quotes here in my little script, uh, during good times. (laughs) Now, with this pandemic and the cancellation of everything, I guess this is my first question for you. How are those musicians and artists and performers surviving?
1: That's a good question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A sad question.
1: For myself, I mean, I've had no official income for three months because the theater's been closed since March 16th, and there's no opening in the foreseeable future. I have applied to SERB for myself, and I'm actually, you know, doing okay that way. But I don't know how many other artists in town have that option. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm daily grateful we live in Canada, not to the south. Yeah. So, I mean, Serb has been a real godsend for, for most artists I know, and sadly, I think many of us are actually doing better than we were pre-pandemic, and of course, uh, it's not free money, you know, there, there will be taxes paid on it, as there should be, and it won't last forever, but it is, to me, a sad testament to how little we were making before. Oh, yes. $2,000 a month feels like an incredible windfall to so many people.
0: Yes, and I, I'm just wondering, and this is a bit of a tangent, and we're going to talk about the arts, but social policy... D- d- do we think that our, our collective experience uh, with CERB might lead to actually to a guaranteed national income or a basic income guarantee or universal basic income, some sort of program that would bridge the gap between childhood and old age?
2: Well, I'm certainly not an expert on on this stuff at all. I mean, there are people well more versed in that than I am. Do, do you sense
0: many conversations about that?
2: Oh, of course, we're all talking about it, but we were all in favor of the basic income before COVID. Um, everyone, no. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I won't be able to give you a counter argument. Certainly, I think it is <laughs> that governments can cough up the dough when it's deemed necessary and that priorities can be rerouted. Now, you know, I know that, again, as I said, it's not free money. That we're we're, we're going to look at a pretty dire financial situation, economic situation but it certainly demonstrated that where the will is there is a way yeah right. people don't need to be living on the streets people don't need to be starving people don't none of this is necessary that was just a heartless right. you know facet of capitalism and like 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 you know like capitalism eating its own self hopefully and dying in the process that's my point right. Institutional support
0: what, what is now? we've talked about CERb, but what is available apart from that for artists, for arts organizations, really from any level of government?
2: One thing that this pandemic has revealed is that nobody has artists' backs. Again, we're better off in Canada, there's at least public funding, but you know as artists we were going we went into the pandemic already hurting. As individual artists, there, there really isn't anybody taking care of us. None yeah. of us, nobody's asked us what we want or what we need. There's, mm-hmm. there's nobody going to bat for artists. And uh, people that you would expect would be there, like the Arts Councils and so on, um, have done things that, you know, sound great. Like the Canada Council's put out this digital originals thing. So it's a million dollars, $5,000 each. I mean, it's a nice little application. It's to, to boost your art practice into the digital. And it's a, it's a fairly easy application to fill out, which, which in a way is feel like they should all be. But yeah. if you do the math, a million dollars divided by 5,000 means that 200 people across Canada, 200 artists are going to get that money, which is pathetic. So it sounds great. It looks, uh, you know, looks good on the Canada Council. But in the end, it isn't really going to do a lot for a lot of us. The people that have been there, I would say locally, public energy has been absolutely tremendous. Public mm-hmm. energy has, has stepped up continuously and almost immediately. Um, so huge applause to them. EC3 has been working really hard to try to um, create forums for us to talk and lobby the city to try to get more money for us um, and support for us and try to get the city to acknowledge us.
0: Okay, and uh, of course, welcome John. Talking about organizational support, so let's pick up there. The the next thing, well, you've talked about EC3. Now, what about the audiences? Now, many people who attended arts events before the pandemic, well, some people, I should say, will probably have less disposable income. How does that factor in?
1: Uh, Well, again. My audience didn't – the audience that came to my space didn't have any money beforehand either. So, <laughs> You're right. Speaking much, one of I mean, the, the things that might end up changing is, is um, danger factors about the, the COVID. People are going to be away from it for so long. They've gotten out of the practice of going to see live theater or live events. So, I mean, speaking on behalf of the audience, I, I honestly have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side. I can see that like some art galleries are open now but it's easier to maintain a distance in a in a gallery than in a theater for example and um it's very hard to create theater in isolation um it's a collective art form and it's uh, quite difficult to uh, even start a project so even when the uh, uh go ahead to open is is okay it's still going to be probably a month before we actually get any full productions up because we haven't been able to get together.
2: One thing you asked about support these audiences that say the theater on King incredibly touchingly, despite the fact that some of them are living very close to the bone, there's been quite a tremendous outpouring of support. I mean, there are people who are giving us $5 a month because that's what they can afford, which I just find so moving. And recently theater Trent voted, uh, that's a student levy group at Trent voted to give half their budget towards the market hall and the theater on king because of wow. the concern that there won't be any venues on the other side so and that they're also exhorting the public to donate to the market hall or take out a membership and or donate to the theater on king so these initiatives have happened that the support is there and it's been incredibly touching
1: yes
0: could you just give us a sort of a a thumbnail sketch what is the theater on king all about
1: the theater on king is a small black box theater that has it's multi-use it can be used for theater or dance or music performances or readings or rehearsals or whatever you can possibly imagine i wanted to keep it small because it's manageable And it's also a place where, because I try to keep the costs of renting the space down, um, you can afford to fail. You can afford to take chances. You can afford to experiment. You can afford to try your own workout. And that's originally what I wanted, was a place where local artists can create without having to worry so much about how much it's going to cost. Um, And it's also a place for a lot of new actors to try out. Um, whether they want to be on stage, whether they want to try acting, whether they want to try uh, directing. Um, I've encouraged people to learn how to do tech as well. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. usually on site, so um, I can um, offer all all the advice that I could, you know, that anyone needs. And again, because it's a small space, we can turn things around fast. And again, ultimately it's about being able to afford to make art in the end.
0: Right, right. Okay. Now, John, Jump in wherever you you feel so moved. Right, I remember you even did you did a workshop. Was it last winter on? and I forget the title. Stage combat, in other words, sword fighting. Yep, yeah,
1: that's Great. right. We also yeah, do okay. a, a lot of professional um, development workshops. So I've done things on um, theater tech. Um, we've had some on stage combat. We've had some on grant writing. We've had some on how to direct improv a bit of, you know, pretty much anything that helps actors or performers or artists get better because there um, aren't a lot of classes here in town for artists to um, get better. So by offering these workshops, I think it, it actually is a, – a, a, it benefits the whole community in the end.
0: Sure, and I recall seeing a uh, – it was a wonderful evening of a stand-up comedy, uh, a female – Exactly. Uh, Jill Tilly was Uh, hilarious. Yeah. And it was,
1: uh, it was some of their first times on stage too. So it's, it's a safe space where people can try things out. And sometimes it really really works super awesome. Like the, uh, uh, the comedy night. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've also had events there where only two or three people show up and that's okay too. Yeah.
0: yeah, We know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Now, what about, uh, this is part of the, the grim side of the agenda here, will audiences be smaller due to fears of COVID-19, the second, the third, and the so on waves? I mean, what are you hearing? I mean, myself, I can't wait to get back. I will go to a live performance. But
2: that's me. What, what are you hearing from others? Well, I, I mean, I think it really depends. There are people who just can't. Um, who aren't going to be able to, to come to, um, live performances because they have underlying conditions and they just can't take the, the risk. And we have some of our, our core artists at the theater aren't going to be able to, to be with us until there's a vaccine, which just is heartbreaking. Um, other people have higher levels of concern and fear than others. You know, like we all have like, okay, <laughs> to live with. So we can't really speak for it. I, I think there's no doubt that the audiences will be smaller.
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. I'd
2: be interested to know what John uh, is hearing from, you know, through gallery world. Yeah, I think
3: um, I think the gallery world is, uh, uh, as uh, one of you was saying, you know, there's galleries that are reopening or are going to reopen very soon. Um, but I think our world is going to be very different based on the size of the institution and, you know, how much – Flexibility you have, but also at the end of the day, how much cash you have. I think that certainly something that's going to change is audiences and how they're managed. I think as we look ahead to uh, most likely hoping to reopen properly at ArtSpace in September for our September exhibition, we're, we're considering how audiences move through the space and how you, you reasonably manage those numbers, but also how the artist interacts with the space. There's a very good chance that as we work with artists from outside of the community, that they just won't be able to attend exhibition openings or, um, or, or be present as we so often wanted them to be. Because of things like self isolating when you travel between communities and and the like, so you know I think for larger institutions that can reopen because they have a permanent collection and there's already artwork on the wall, then sure they can they can probably jump right back into it. They also ideally have a larger staff, and if they did have to lay anyone off, can bring them back whereas smaller institutions, specifically artist run centers like art space. We also want to just be safe and do this in a really responsible way. And so that staff and artists and the public uh, feel, feel safe when they come to the center. But also, we, we don't have, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being flexible, but we also can't really just throw an exhibition together all of a sudden for a lot of reasons. And some of them are financial, some of them are practical and logistical. So, Um, with all that said, we are eyeing, um, we've been collaborating with Public Energy Performing Arts here in Peterborough, um, on a residency with, with Anne White for the better part of a year now. And, and that residency will take shape into, um, one component of the project, uh, called Company Town, um, that you'll be able to see through the windows of Artspace, uh, in the middle of July. So that's, that's one way we can kind of, get back to doing what we do. But, you know, it's it's still not business as usual and for a little while longer.
0: For both... Venues that are on this call, uh, TTOK, uh, the Theater on King, and Artspace. I'd be really interested in knowing to what extent the various uh, not not only for your own your own venues, but just in general, to what extent do you feel that the very online alternatives that uh, you you you've talked of uh, talked about some of the that have been um, invented and offered up the last few months, to what extent are they doing the trick? I mean, I enjoy watching uh, the videos of great artwork and gallery tours, but nothing beats going and seeing the piece live, right? Uh, Ditto theater, you know. (laughs) But you're the artist. what, What extent do you think the online... Is is it a nothing or somewhere in between? Well,
1: um, speaking on behalf of the theater, I guess, theater is a live event and it's unique. Every single, even though you're seeing the same, sh- even though the same show might go on for three or four or even two weeks, each show is going to be slightly different depending on who's in the audience and what kind of mood they're in. If, if you don't have an audience, that whole experience of theater is kind of gone. Most of the stuff that I have personally put online from theater on King are just um, documentaries basically showing that this happened. It's not a professional thing and this hasn't been edited or we haven't got 15 different cameras and all of that. Yeah, sort of stuff. And I yeah. find that watching theater online or even on TV is a very, it's a very different experience. It's not the same experience at all. It's not an experience. It's a very individual experience. And that's not necessarily what theater is.
2: I think that, in fact, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I, I have a personal just I hate sitting in front of a computer. I do. That's work to me. I, I, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't like watching live performance on video. And as Ryan says, you know, the, the amount of money you need to make it actually effective online is more than I think most independent theaters or companies are going to be able to afford. And also as artists, theater artists, you have to work together. So until we can safely work together, even to create a decent online experience, uh, were we to have enough money to do it, which we never will, we wouldn't even be able to, to gather to rehearse properly. It's not like being a film actor working with a green screen. It's an entirely different process. I've done film and it, it's not my happy place. So yeah, personally, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not watching live performance online right now. I'm just not, I, 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 I drag myself to some friends things but
0: my heart isn't in it. Interesting. Uh, Ryan, I remember seeing your, uh, and I think this is a work he, actually you, you wrote uh, on World War One about munitions, about uh, what was the name of it? Uh, uh, exploded uh, Ordnance. Exploded Ordnance, yes. Un- unexploded. Exploded Ordnance, yes. And, and I remember uh, attending that, and uh, as you say, the, the – uh, the conversations I had during and after with other audience members uh, with performers I, I can't imagine how that could be reproduced uh, by technology I mean <laughs> you know it, it and it was quite a wonderful evening and uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, i'm old no I mean it was uh, on so many levels artistically but also uh, the stories that came out the 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 mythology uh, of uh, not mythology, but the history, um, was quite
2: rich. And all right. I, I have something more to say on that. Sure,
0: please, please.
2: One one thing that may be a positive, and, and John, I think you should have alluding to this. I'm not bright-siding here because I, I don't see a lot of bright sides to this. But um, <laughs> I I think that it, some of the most interesting art, you know, visual art uh, and theater, dance, and so on that I've seen, the stuff that has stayed with me, Stuff that has actually taken into account the audience in a in a in a in a really fundamental kind of way, which is not something that you get necessarily at a sold pepper or Stratford kind of thing where you just file and you sit in the theater. So I think, you know, the thing about right. the smaller institutions like Artspace and like the theater on King is we already were thinking about our audiences in a caring kind of way, and. So I think with this, we're going to have to just do that more. We have to think about the safety of the audience and the well-being of the audience, as well as our artists, and what kind of experience can we have under these circumstances together. So that's something I'm actually excited to explore once we get into a phase where we can even begin to explore that. One idea I've had is I want to focus on process a lot more and invite audiences to drop in in small groups throughout the process. And then hopefully at the end of, you know, when if and when there becomes a vaccine or the the virus mutates to a less, you know, virulent form or whatever. We don't know what's going to happen. We'll come out of there with a bunch of really interesting shows that got developed in a truly fundamentally uh, community engaged sort of way.
0: Fascinating. Uh, but, and by the way, John uh, of Art Space, I, I, this is an aside, but you had a show up. I think the last show that you had up was called
3: yeah um, yeah abundance um was curated by Tiffany Schofield um and featured uh work by Shelley Zhang and and Maria Patricia while they're both Toronto based artists and you know we were fortunate that it it was open for a week and that when we did close to the public it rendered itself very viewable from the street where we're lucky to have the the street frontage and presence that we do. Well, and that's why I brought it because art space was on my dog walking
0: route every evening mm-hmm. during those those bleak uh <laughs> sort of late March early April weeks of this thing and to go by those windows and see this profusion of Tropical fruit and the bright
3: colors—it yeah it was uh, incredible. Yeah, <laughs> it was so nice
0: that it was left up.
3: Yeah, we're, we were fortunate to be able to do that because you know the work—the work was spoken for for that period of time. It was supposed to be at Art Space, and, and so we were lucky to be able to do that. And I think it's—it certainly the, shows the versatility of our space. And, oh yeah, because at the same time, you know. We, we were able to actually donate a portion of the gallery space to a collective of individuals who were 3D printing PPE uh, for use in the community. So that, that right. was all happening while people could still take in that exhibition in some capacity. You know, we're fortunate to have the square footage we do yes um but yeah i think like to to kind of echo what kate was saying just about audience care it's certainly why we haven't rushed back into anything and why we're you know i love our audience and i and i miss that aspect of what we do because it's so fundamental to creating work it, the work doesn't exist in a vacuum and there's certainly the fear that creating work to just live online could could get lost in this perceived vacuum. Certainly something we're interested in and this all this'll kind of come to fruition in September in one way or another is accessibility through online components of artwork for people who physically can't be in, in the space that the work occupies. So right. um, so that's something that we're, we're navigating and it'll certainly be including in the September exhibition. But with that said, we're also f- considering, okay, in November we were supposed to be hosting a residency and performance series. Ha- that that could get to what Kate and Ryan are saying, like you have to be able to work in a space with collaborators to make that happen. So there is no one way forward right now to find the solution for our communities in terms of how do we get back to doing our work.
0: I'm just wondering what this is on the the grim side of the ledger here. What what proportion of artists, uh, that's a silly question. Uh, No one knows, but I'm wondering how many artists will not make it. In other words, they'll have to give up their art for employment or something else in order to pay the bills. Will, what are you hearing?
2: Well, you know, Bill, the attrition rate in the arts before the the pandemic was unbelievable. Like if you had an attrition rate, like that among, say, medical students that would be declared an international emergency. I, I lived seven years practicing art, and I, I look at Now Magazine or whatever, online stuff, and I still see maybe three people I worked with in the 90s who are still making theater uh, out of right. the hundreds of people I worked with. So it, it, it's, it's, it, there, there's just no security or money or, you know, hope even a lot of the time as an artist. So it, it's, it's, it was bad before. It's going to be bad after this. I, I think a lot of us, you know, already those of us who've been doing this for a while had already found ways to do this that don't have to do with trying to make our entire living out of it. And that hasn't changed. I, I, I I'm not really hugely optimistic. Um, like I said, there, there, there isn't a huge amount of like real institutional support for artists at this point, uh, or even say on the, the, the municipal level here are, our city is living in the 1950s. We don't have an arts council, a peer-reviewed arm's length arts council that gives money to individual artists at all. And in fact, the city is really suspicious of the idea of arts organizations actually doing that kind of peer reviewed arm's length funding for art. So we didn't have support before and, and, you know, we're not suddenly going to get it now with the city in debt. So I, I think we are going to see a, a pretty terrible attrition rate. Right. Now, What about
0: support, in other words, from the audience? Apart from attending events and buying art, uh, what else could members of the public do to help artists get back up on their feet?
1: (laughs) That's a tough question. What can people do to help artists get back on their feet?
2: Well, I don't think it's tough at all.
1: I mean, support the venues,
2: support the venues that help create art. So if you have any money at all, buy a membership at Art Space, buy a membership at Market Hall, donate to the Theatre on King. These are the venues that are in town that are making things happen. Public energy. If you
1: see an artist, give them 20 bucks.
2: It sounds dirty, but it's just true. We need money. We need support. It's not rocket science. And there's this almost like. This idea that artists are, are somehow liars and thieves and charlatans and fakes and, you know, that why would you want to give them money? Yet when you the statistics are just I'm so tired of spouting them, and I won't i will not now. But you can find statistics that show how much arts and culture bring back to the economy every year. And yet we're far more willing to put up a bunch of stoplights for a Costco or a Walmart than we are to say, oh, I'll give 500 measly bucks to, you know. To an artist or to a venue, mm-hmm. you know, like it's 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 a di- it's a schism in the brain of our culture that has been there for generations and has been getting worse. So it's just start turning that around in your mind. Why are we willing to give so much money to mining and oil companies, but we don't want to give a lick of money to an artist or an arts organization?
0: You know, and what you're saying, Kate, it, it puzzles me. Like, why aren't some business organizations, business folks, who are interested in having more people come to Peter? eat out go to, you know go to bars stay overnight in the city why are they not why have they not connected the dots between what goes on in the arts community in terms of public offerings and increased tourism i don't i mean and we have some models for that in ontario i mean look at the town of stratford
1: right well, i think one of the biggest problems is a lot of the people that could make a difference don't go to see the arts a lot of people don't even come downtown and that's where a lot of the art, especially in town, is happening. And if they don't come downtown and they don't come and see the art, then it as yeah. far as they it doesn't exist.
2: And we're yeah. Netflixization of our culture, you know. So there's this idea that unless you're you know, even people who are aware of live theater are like, Well, you're not at Stratford, then you're nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not at Soul Peppers, <laughs> Yeah, um, and yeah. Certainly. Well, I haven't. I mean, as a writer, I constantly get. Well, I haven't heard of you. I literally have had this, many times. I've had people say to me, "I've never heard of you. You can't be a very good writer." So, oh, give so me a break. I'm <laughs> not suggesting I'm a great writer, but I'm a good writer, and other writers are sure. good writers. So it's like it's just like just because you know, there's this idea of fame that I think Hollywood has really uh, fed into, and so there's lots and lots of reasons that that I think point to a deep sickness in our society, if you ask me. Yeah. Now, has this
0: pandemic provided unexpected space uh, well unexpected time for creation writers musicians uh, uh, we touched on that before but I'm wondering are you hearing that people are able to create more now that schedules are suddenly wide open in
3: the, in the world, no. Uh, I think in in the world of visual arts it actually I don't think it's necessarily about creating but maybe for at least friends and colleagues is a bit of space to actually reassure that we could be better supportive. To echo what Kate and Ryan just said, like we, we don't study on how we're Underfunded or undersupported, we all know, and it's been the same for 50 years. It's, you know, it's all out there. All that info exists. So now, like, now is the time to reimagine that, and and ideally for us to push back against people who are telling us that we have to do this a certain way. Maybe now we're able to say, well, no, we don't actually. We're not going to give counsel. You know, Kate has alluded to the kind of support that exists through councils right now, maybe now we can say to them, we're not going to do more just to get a little bit extra from you. We're actually going to start doing a little less and you're going to keep giving us the same.
0: Are there any other questions you have or things you want to put on the table in terms of pandemic for the arts community and what needs to happen going forward?
2: I would hope that, People might think about what's gotten them through this incredibly difficult time. I think that most of the population has found themselves turning to arts and culture to get them through this, listening to music online or or movies. I mean, as much as I, you know, I might complain about Netflix Going back and like there was a real uptick in people looking at our our terrible not they're not terrible but they are just as Brian said documents of old theater on King performances they're literally just documents this happened you know and they're 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 not high quality and and there's a huge uptick of people looking at them and so if people could really you know a, an online gallery stuff you know yes you went went viral of, of penguins going through an art gallery um I forget where that was somewhere in Europe it was really pretty cute. And maybe if people ask themselves what what got them through their hard times, the, the miserable times of the pandemic. And if the answer is at all arts and culture, to think about the place it holds in our hearts as human beings. We are creative as a species, and in, in our culture that gets beaten out of you in an early age unless you're particularly stubborn, uh, or have been extremely, <laughs> you know, fortunate and privileged, you know, to have it supported in you uh, or in your community. So. I hope that, that people might rethink this sort of, oh, well, artists will just make it anyway. They don't need money because they do it for the love of it attitude. You know, that's that's just killing a lot of us. It really is.
0: Yes, I, I've heard the same argument used to be made for keeping teacher's wages low. Well, you well, do it because you love it, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Anything else that comes to mind about what has to happen or what Could happen.
2: Actually, that's about what could happen. I sort of going back a bit there, Bill, what you talked about is there a positive side, but having time on your hands to create. I just sort of want to say like a lot of writers, I had people going, Well, I bet you're writing the great COVID novel. Now, there are going to be people who suddenly had time to write the great COVID novel. But those of us who were writers before this, before the pandemic, we had already carved out time to be writers. Having time yes. on my hands was not a positive. It, it, I was as worried as the next person and freaking out. So sure, my, sure. The output was actually, especially in the first couple of months was down at least 50%. But as we get more accustomed to it, maybe there's a little more time, but I think it really what John said, time to rethink
3: mm-hmm. how we want to
2: do things. I know Ryan, yeah. uh, cause we live together. I have seen Ryan pulling out files of old shows that he might want to do and thinking about how to do it so that it wasn't, like basically a nervous breakdown making scenario yeah. to run a theater.
3: Yeah, because I think just to like speak to the nervous breakdown side of life. Um <laughs> people people in the arts work really damn hard all the time. And we we certainly, you know, take time off when we can and whatnot. But like there's a lot of evenings and there's a lot of weekends and there's a lot of that in a row and it makes you feel crazy and burnt out. And I think that's, I think, one thing I mean when I say, let's rethink how we do this, because certainly my partner and I, who both work in the arts, are a lot happier to have time together and and to not be totally overburdened and overwhelmed by work. And so that's that's a positive. Now the question is, how do you do that and still produce high quality work?
2: I think that if we weren't John, it's so good to hear you say that. And, I mean, certainly I think you and your partner are two of the hardest working people in the arts in the world. And, you know, I had a weird experience. I guess it was about a month ago. I was in my kitchen, and I looked, and there was light coming through a window. I literally, I've lived in this house for 19 years. I have never seen the sun come through that window because I have never been home in the evening in June and May. Right seen the light in nineteen years come through that window and I was like, it must be reflecting off something. what's going on? Like I was too super confused so I just think that's a testament to like a kind of miserable grind in a way. I mean I like being busy, but you know I'm not afraid of hard work, but it's it's asking too much it's asking too much of arts and arts managers, curators. Or- <laughs>
0: know if this fits into this conversation or not, but I'll, I'll spit it out here. A few weeks ago, I had conversation about money and finance coming out of the pandemic and who was on that show. Sylvia Sutherland, uh, Stu Harrison from the Chamber of Commerce, uh, uh, Paul Bennett and uh, Gwyneth James, the accountant. And The sentiment was expressed that coming out of the pandemic, we could have a far more localized economy. In other words, growing, consuming, buying stuff made locally, that people are going to be traveling a lot less. And we're going to be much more self-sufficient, just as a little economic area over here in eastern Ontario. I'm wondering how that could play play for the arts community. Interesting. Uh,
1: on behalf of the theater, it's not going to change anything for me specifically, because my audience is all local. Already, Right. Like, I don't usually get many people from Toronto coming up to see a show in my space or from Ottawa or anywhere else. Right. The idea that everything's going to be a bit more local. I think that's a. a I think it's a great idea. I think it'll help focus. Well, it'll help the city, the city as opposed to trying to be something they're not.
2: We have an incredibly rich region here. Um, oh, yeah. We have an incredibly rich art scene. We're surrounded by a number of First Nations communities. There there is so much going on in this region. And you know, the expert is not somebody from out of town necessarily. I certainly have I've seen world-class art. It's great. I I, I don't want to never see that again, but at the same time, why not celebrate the really fabulous art and artists that we have here? Yeah, makes makes so much sense.
0: Well, <sighs> On that note, um, we should move move towards winding down here. so uh, Kate and John and Ryan, thank you so much for uh, for joining me for this panel discussion. Thanks for listening until next week. that's Thursday, July 2nd. This is Bill Templeman.